With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin Daf Nun Gimel, page 53. We begin at the bottom of Nun Beis and Beis, page 52b, at the Mishnah. Hamatame, Hamadama, Hamanase, Pashagig, Potter, Mezid Chayev. Somebody causes someone else's fruits to become impure when they were pure and they wanted to be eaten in purity. Or if someone mixes up something that was already taken off the tithes with something which was not taken off the tithes yet. Hamanasech is a case where somebody takes someone else's wine and he either he mixes it with someone else's wine that had been made uh Yanesach is where a non Jew touches the wine or he actually takes it and uses it for his idolatry. So in any of these cases, so something is being done here where it's not clear, you don't actually see the Hesek to damage. So if it's done by accident, so the person is potter. He's completely uh I wouldn't say it's completely Innocent, however, he doesn't have to pay anything. However, he does it intentionally, so he's an obligation to pay. We begin the Gemara. Itmar, we learned in a memory. Menasech, what's the case of Menasech? Rav Amr Menasech Mamish, it means you actually took your, your friend's wine and you actually went and you poured it. You did libations to idolatry. Ushmuel Amr Meshmuel says, Ma'ariv, the case is where he actually went and mixed his friend's wine with some wine that was already used for libations to some kind of idolatry. Now, Manda Amar Ma'ariv, my time with Amar Menasech. Why is the one who says that the case is mixing, not say that the case is where he actually went and physically took someone else's wine and used it for idolatry? So he would respond and say that, you know what, it wouldn't be included in our mission because if a guy went and he actually poured out libations with his friend's wine, so he wouldn't be chayv, he wouldn't have any obligation to pay because he would be chayv misa, be obligated for the death penalty. And whenever you have that obligation for the death penalty, no other obligations can come along with it. That's called kimle bidaravamine, that he gets the greater of the two when he has two obligations obligations coming at the same time. The other one holds like a Yermia, that there's no, that, that it's not true that you have two things happening at the same time. Why? Because So at the time when he actually picked it up, not when he actually poured it, did he actually, you know, take it into his possession and is it considered that he stole it and he ruined it, but rather when he picked it up, it's considered that he stole it, and therefore, the only time when he becomes liable for death is when he actually pours it. So there are two separate times that those two things are happening, they're not happening at the same time, and therefore he has to pay back, and he's also liable for death. So that's why it could be cl- included in our Mishnah. So according to the one who says that we're talking about a case where he literally went and poured it, like we just said, my time so why didn't he say that the case is where he mixed it? So he'll respond and say that that's exactly the same case as, as a previous case in the Mishma, Mishnah, which was mixing up fruits that are kosher or that are that are already taken off the tides with other fruits that are not. So what does the other one respond? That this case is a case of knas. It's a case of where, where, where the rabbis are creating some kind of fine. The, the, the law is that when you have a fine, just because the rabbi said it in one place doesn't mean that we say it in every other place. So therefore I had to say it explicitly in the Mishnah that it also applies to where you mixed regular wine with wine that was the done libations for idolatry. who says We do indeed learn out one from another and therefore it must be talking about a case where it's not mixing but rather where he actually went and physically poured it himself for idolatry. Why do we need all of these cases for? We need them to eat because if I would have just said the case where he went and he made his friend's fruits impure, so eat truma. If the case is talking about where he went and he made impure some kind of Kohen's food, have Amin mission to come said So you might think that that's there because he's totally ruined it completely. And if we're talking about where he's making impure regular stuff, mission to answer ligrin tumlachulin Yisrael. It's because there's some forbidden nature. You're not allowed to cause something which is chulin, which is non-holy, to become 
tummy, to become impure if you're living in Israel. But if it's a case of mixing, there's no problem. He's just making everything holy. He's making there to be a, a chiv, an obligation for him to take off the tithes again, but he's not actually making anything impure. He's not doing any kind of iser, any kind of forbidden thing. And if we would have taught you that, that he's obligated, if he did it intentionally in the case where he mixed it up, that's something that's common to happen. That's something that people do. But where someone goes and he actually physically makes something impure, that's not something that's common. I would have said that that's different. And if I would have said the case where you went and made things impure, and the case where you mix them, because over there in that case, there's nothing talking about you can't have, possibly have a hava amina. can't even think that, that there's something else, a greater obligation, which means death, that's happening at the same time. So therefore, that's why over there, there's an obligation to pay. But in the case where he poured out his, his wines, which is a case where there's another obligation at the same time, meaning he's liable for death, you might think that it's different. So that's why it's coming to teach you that no, we hold like Rabbi Yermia, according to that Manda Amar, who says that they're actually having at two separate points in time. That the damage is occurring at the first moment when he picked it up, and he's liable for death when he pours it. According to this, that was learned in a brisa by Avua, the father of Rabbi Avin. Originally, they used to say that this halacha applies, that law applies to somebody who causes impurity or somebody who pours out the wine libations. And then they went and they said that even in a case where they mixed up the fruits, uh, stuff that was already taken off the tides, with something that wasn't taken off the tides. So called Hani Lamali. So then. How do we explain all of the chadush and the novelty of each case if the order is completely different? So the Gemara says like this, Tzricha, we need all these cases, the Yashmin because if it had to the case where he made things impure, because there's no, there's no problem there of another obligation, another liability for death at the same time. But in the case where he's pouring the wine libations, so he has a, he's liable for death at the same time. So we would say not. That's why we have to say those two cases. And if I would have said the case of pouring the wine, it's because he's totally destroying, he's totally ruining it. But in the case where he's making it impure, I would say that it's different over there because since it could be used still, okay, he can't eat it, but he can use it still in order to, to light a fire with. He can use the fruits as fuel for a fire. So therefore, he still has some use for it. It's not totally lost. If I would have said these two cases, because there's a great amount of loss because they they can't be eaten at all now. So true, in regards to the case where he made it impure, it can still be used to, to for firewood, but that's a really, it's it's really lost a tremendous amount of its value. Avomedame, the have said muat, but in the case where you mixed up the tithe stuff with non-tithe stuff, so it's not a tremendous amount of loss because you take off the tithes and you can use the rest. Emelai, so you might think that he doesn't have an obligation to pay. Tzricha, so that's why we need all of these cases. Omar Chizkiah. Chizkiah says like this, Tavar Torah from the Torah, Echad Shagig Vechad Mezig, whether we're talking about a case where it was done unintentionally or it was done intentionally, Chayev. You really will have to pay. My time, what's the reason? Hezek Shein and Nikar Shmei Hezek. According to Chizkiah, so when you do a damage that you can't see, it's considered that you have damaged. Umatam Amr Bishagig Pater. So why do we say that if you did it unintentionally that he doesn't have to pay? Kedeshi Yediyoy. In order that he inform us because if he has to pay, he's not going to let us know if he did it by accident. So Gemara says, Wait, Iha Chiyafilu Bemezid Nami. 
money. So if that's so, then we should say that he doesn't have to pay even when he did it intentionally, because he's not going to let us know. The Gemara says, no. Hashdala The guy did it intentionally. He wants to cause damage. He's not going to tell him that he damaged him. Of course he will. So, so we don't need to say that he's putter in order to get him to tell us. So rather, he is indeed obligated to pay for this thing, for the damage, even though it's not clear that he actually made a da- damage. Rabbi Yechonon says, from the Torah, we're talking about a person who did it unintentionally or intentionally, putter. He does not have to pay. My time was the reason, because Rabbi Yechonon holds, Hezek shein aniker leish mehezek. When you cause a damage that you can't see, it's not considered a damage. Umatam amar b'meizid chayev. So why do they say that if you did it intentionally, you do have to pay? You are obligated. Shleik kol echa ve'echad holich matamit arisav shachaveira v'amar patrani. That people shouldn't just become totally like careless and go and and cause someone else's things, his holy things, to become impure. And I'll say, ah, what's the big deal? I'm not. I don't have to worry about this. I'm not obligated to pay. So then we say, no, you have to pay. You have to watch out. You have to be careful. Tanan, we learned in a mishnah. Hakayanim shepiglu b'megdash. Let's say you have a Kohen. So he has the wrong thoughts. So if you have the wrong thoughts and you're the Kohen who's taking care of some kind of sacrifice, so you can ruin that sacrifice and it won't be able to be brought at all. You won't be able to be eaten by the owners. So now if they did it intentionally, so they're chayav, they have to actually pay for the damage that they caused. We learned that on this in Abraisam, if they take on ha'olam, what's the reason that they pay? They pay because of rectification of the world. And if it would be true that a person who causes damage and you can't see it is considered a damage, so then why does it say that the reason that you have to pay is because of some kind of rectification of the world? If anything, it should say, It should have said that the fact is that they're, if they did it unintentionally, they don't have to pay because of rectification of the world, not the other way around. So the Gemara says, That's really what it means. That if they did it intentionally, they have to pay. That would imply that if they did it unintentionally, they don't have to pay. And that would be for rectification of the world, according to Chizkiah. Masi Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Lazar says like this. He has a problem. Someone who uses, and he's not supposed to use, you're not allowed to use the waters that were, that were meant for purification that came from the red heifer. So if a person uses it for a different purpose, or the, or the red heifer itself, so you don't have to pay any kind of damages, even though you have caused damage to the entire people of Israel. But when you come to heaven, they're going to they're gonna take you for a ride. And if it would be true that if you cause damage that you can't see, that it is indeed considered a damage, so he should also have an obligation to pay for the damage that he caused. Why does it say that he doesn't have to have any obligation between his pe- fellow man or in a human court? So he asked the question, he answered the question. What's the case talking about? Why is it that in fact he doesn't have to pay anything? There's no obligations here. What are we talking about here? We're talking about a case that how did he make it work? He originally went and he took this para aduma, this red heifer, and he put it inside of the yoke with its mother because he wanted the, the animal not to have to pull anything, not to have to even go in the yoke per se, but that it should be able to go and nurse from its mother. So despite the fact that he also meant that it should work as well, but that's something that's Talib al-Mahshav, it's dependent on thought. Meaning, on first glance, we could easily explain it, and the thought is what changes it into a problem. And since it's only a thought that changes it into a problem, and not an actual action, so therefore it doesn't come under the category of something that would be chayiv bidine adam, something that would have an obligation to man as well. And that's also the case, a similar type of case, mechatas shashakal The case of the water, where you use the water, was where you used it as a weight. 
weight. And what that means is that you put it on one side, let's say of the scales, and then you want it to weigh something on the other side, but you weren't actively doing anything to the water at the time when you were weighing the other thing. It was on the other side, you weren't even touching it. So therefore, again, Rashi explains that that's something that's dependent on thought, and therefore, you would not have an obligation between man and his fellow. So now the Gemara says, wait, Rav says that in regards to the waters of the Para Aduma, of the red heifer, we turn to 53b, that you use it for weights, Kshera, that it's absolutely kosher, you haven't caused any damage, meaning you shouldn't even be you shouldn't even have an obligation to heaven. What's going on? So the Gemara answers, it's not a problem. It depends what you're doing. Are you actually going and placing it on the other side? Kinegda means you're placing it on the other side of the scales, meaning you're not actually using the water itself, you're not touching the water itself when you're doing the weighing. Begufan means that you're actually placing, the way Rashi explains it is like this, you have some kind of vessel that you place the water into. And you know that when the water rises to a certain marked off level, so you know that it's a certain weight. So now you actually take the par aduma, the water from the red heifer, you pour it into this vessel up to the line, and then you place whatever it is you're trying to weigh, the meat, and it goes up to the next line. And thus you're able to tell how heavy the meat is that you're putting inside of the water. So there where you're actually using the water itself, you're actually involving the water, you're moving the water, you're touching the water, so there you're going to ruin it and you're going to be chayiv, you're going to have an obligation. So the Gemara says, wait, the gufan, if you're actually physically involving the waters, you're actually touching the waters, maiseka of it, bahu, so then you are in fact doing some kind of action with it. So then not only should, be, should it be no good and you can't use it, and in, in regards to the heavens, you're going to be considered a bad person, but even in regards to somebody else, you did something with the physical thing itself. So the Gemara says, both cases are talking about where it's on the other side of the weights, so on the other side of the scales. So what's the case, what's the difference? Why in one case is it ruined and why is it one case not ruined? It's not a problem. So there's a concept that in regards to the, to the mechatos, these waters that are being used to make purification of someone who's been, who's become impure by coming in contact with the dead. So it's imperative that at all times a person remains aware of the fact that these are holy waters and he has to be conscious of them and they have to be taken care of and watched over. So the question is, when you went and you used the weights, used it as a weight and you put something on the other side of the scales. Did you still have in mind that you're protecting the holiness of these waters? So in, in the case where we're saying that it's okay, it's still kosher, it's because you did indeed have in mind that thought. However, when we're saying that it's no good and you're chayv, you're obligated from the rules of heaven, so that's in the case where you didn't have the proper thoughts in mind. Masiv Rapapa Rapapa asks the following question. So let's say a person so- stole a coin, and then the government said that this coin is not usable anymore. Someone stole some kind of coin's food, and then it became tame. Someone stole bread, and then Pesach passed over it. All these cases, you, what you originally stole, it can't be used anymore. Nevertheless, the person who stole it can say, here's your thing, this is the thing that I stole from you. And if it would be true that when you cause a damage that you can't see, it's considered that you've damaged, so he's stolen, he has to pay him back something proper. And here all he's giving him back is the original thing, but he's damaged that thing, he has to pay for the damages that he caused. So how can you tell me, it's clear from here, that when you cause a damage and you can't see the damage, it's considered that it's not damaged. So the Gemara answers, it's a good destruction of the sheet of the concept that Chizkiah says, and in fact, 
it's clear from here that if a person causes damage and you can't see the damage physically, so it's not considered a damage. Let us say that this discussion is actually an argument between two different times. This is reminiscent of our Mishnah. Someone who causes something to become impure, someone who mixes up holy stuff with unholy stuff, and someone who uh, causes something to become yain nesach, to be uh, wine that's been libated for idolatry. We're talking about where it was done intentionally or unintentionally. Chayev divirab meir. Meir holds that you have to pay. If you did it unintentionally, then you don't have to pay. If you've done it intentionally, you do have to pay. Let us say that this is what they're arguing about. That the one who says that you have to pay either way, whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally, he holds that it is in fact considered that even though you can't see the damage, it's considered a damage. Umar savar And the other one holds that no, it's not considered a damage. So then why does he say that you have to pay? Because it's taken out island. We're afraid that people are going to go and they're going to just think that you can damage people's things without thinking about it as long as you can't see the damage. So we say that it is indeed, you are indeed chayev if you've done it intentionally. Rav Nachum says, We can explain it like this. Everyone agrees that if you cause a damage and you can't see the damage, it's not considered a damage. The question is whether or not we say that once we're already saying that if you did it intentionally, that you're obligated to pay, do we also extend that to a case where you did it unintentionally? Because one holds that we do indeed make a class, we make a fine in a, in a case where a person did it unintentionally to prevent a case where a person does it intentionally. And Rabbi Yehuda who says that we don't make him pay when he did it unintentionally because he holds that we don't make him pay by case of unintentionally because he might mess up in a case of intentionally. We don't do that. And once we're saying that this is the understanding, so we have a contradiction between different places where they seem to say the opposite to Tanya. We have a brisa. If someone goes and cooks on Shabbos unintentionally, yoichal, so you're allowed to read it, to eat it, I'm sorry. But if he, if he does it intentionally, he intentionally cooks on Shabbos, so he's not allowed to eat it according to Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Yehuda says, if he did it unintentionally, you can eat it when Lamotzi Shabbos, only after Shabbos. But if he did it intentionally, he can never eat it. Rabbi Yechonah Sandler, Rabbi Yechonah Sandler says, if he did it unintentionally, others can eat it after Shabbos, but he can't. But not to him. But if he did it intentionally, he can't eat it forever. Not him, and not anyone else. So, we have a stira, because of over here, Rabbi Meir is saying the exact opposite, and Rabbi Yehuda is saying the exact opposite. The Rabbi Meir, and the Rabbi Meir, we can answer up the problem between the two Rabbi Meirs like this. When does he say that we say that you have to say by a case where he did it unintentionally that he gets the fine as a pay? When do we say that only by a Dirabonan din? When it comes to halacha Dirabonan, but the when it regards to the Oraisa, like Shabbos, like So then he doesn't say that we're going to say that in the case of Shogi where he did it unintentionally that we're going to create some kind of fine. And Rashi explains that the reason is that there's this difference is because in regards to a Dirabonan, something that's from the rabbis, so we need to strengthen it, we need to give it that extra power. So we make an extra fine. However, in regards to something that's a Dirabonan, Oraisa, which is a halacha from the Torah, so the Torah has its, the, the laws from the Torah have their own strength, they don't need to be strengthened by a knas.
says, wait, we have three cases in this case, in the Mishnah, or in the Brisa, which is similar. We have a case of Metami and Medama, which are the Rabbanan, true, they are from the Rabbis. But the case of Manasseh, where you pour these libations for idolatry, that's something that's the Oraisa, is forbidden from the Torah. The Kakonis. And nevertheless, what do we see? We see that he does go and say that that uh, there's a fine in that case. So the Gemara says, Mishim Chumra, the Avoidus Kachavim Konaslei. That the, the answer is that when it comes to uh, something so heavy like idolatry, so we're going to make a Kanas, we're going to make a fine in that case despite the fact that it's something from the Torah, because we want to keep you far, far away from it. So the steer between the Rabbi Yehud is, in one case he says that Bishogig, we make a knas, and one says we don't make a knas in the case of by accident. It's not a problem. When does he say that we don't make a knas? We're not as concerned in regards to a rabbinic thing, like our Mishnah. However, in regards to something which is from the Torah's origin, so we will make a fine, we want to prevent you, we want to keep you far away from that. Tomorrow says, wait, the Oraisa, the case on our Mishnah of Manasseh, of the libations, where a person libated to Avodah to idolatry, so we said that that uh, over there, we didn't make the Knas, so why is that Velekonis? So the Gemara answers, Mishim Chumra the Avodah Kachavim, Mivdal Badilimine. So he says that because it's so heavy, the idolatry, people stay far away from that. And therefore, it's not necessary for us to make any kind of fine in that case, even though it's a Da'oraisa. Ramid the Rabbi Meir, Adar Rabbi Meir, but the Oraisa. We actually have another theory, another contradiction between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Meir in regards to a Torah, to a law that's from the Torah in origin. The Tani we learned in Abraisa, Hanatea B'Shabbos, somebody who plants on Shabbos B'Shogig unintentionally, Yekayim. So he's allowed to keep it. B'Mezid Yeakar, but if he did it intentionally, so he has to uproot that thing that he planted. U'B'Shviyas, let's say somebody plants in the year of Shemitah, B'Em B'Shogig B'Mezid Yaakar. Whether you're talking about you did it intentionally or unintentionally, you have to uproot it. If we're talking about Shemitah, so if you did it unintentionally, you can leave it there. If you did it intentionally, you, cannot, you have to uproot it. And if you did it on Shabbos, whether you did it unintentionally or intentionally, in that case, according to Rabbi Yehuda, you have to uproot it. So here we see that According to Rabbi Meir, in a case of Shemitah, which is the Oraisa, across the board we say both by Shogig and by Mezid that you that uh, we make a knas, we make some kind of fine. So that's a steer to what we said earlier, according to Rabbi Meir, in the Oraisa. So the Gemara says, according to your very reasoning, you can actually ask the question inside of the mission itself, because Rabbi Meir says, let's see, let's see this. You actually can ask the question in the mission itself, because in the case of Shabbos, he didn't say this, this would apply by case where it was done by accident. We don't make a fine by an accident. So what's the difference between Shabbos and Shemitah? The reason is going to be over there like it says in the Brisa. Why do I say on Shabbos that if you did it unintentionally that you can keep it? If you did it intentionally you have to uproot it. And in regards to Shemitah you can you can leave it, you, I'm sorry, you have to uproot it whether it was done intentionally or unintentionally. Because in regards to Shemitah, so a person counts, like when he's figuring out the years, how many years have I had this tree? So you need to know because you need to know when you can eat the fruits from the tree. So he counts back and he says, oh, it was planted three years ago and every time he counts back, he's always going to be counting back. He's going to realize, oh, I, ca- I, I planted this in Shemitah. I planted this in Shemitah. I planted this in Shemitah. That's really bad because people will start to think that it's okay to plant things in Shemitah. Therefore, in regards to Shabbos, even if it was done unintentionally, I'm sorry, in regards to Shemitah, even if it was done unintentionally, you still have to uproot it. But in regards to Shabbos, you do not. Davar Acher, another explanation. Nechshidu Yisrael al-Hashviyas v'le'nechshidu al-Hashabbasais. 
Jews were worried about them in regards to Shemitah, that they're not going to properly keep Shemitah. But in regards to Shabbos, we're not worried about them. Therefore, in regards to Shabbos, if they did it unintentionally, so we let them leave it there. But in regards to Shemitah, we're afraid that they'll mess up in future years. We'll continue from here on the next Daily Daf.